All right, here to finish off this little short series called Pause is Mr. J.T. Meyer. Let's welcome him. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey, so I was thinking about my, uh, my first car I ever bought recently. Um, we were in my small group for our icebreaker. We were talking about our first cars, and, and my first car was a used 89 Honda Civic. It was like a two-door. It was blue. Uh, it was super simple, no bells or whistles, but what I did is I invested all of my money in like decking out the, the stereo in it. And so any money I would get from working or for birthday or anything, I would, I would like get new speakers and an amp and, you know, a new deck. And it sounded amazing And my little 89 Honda Civic. The, the thing I didn't invest in was changing the oil. And guys, I know now, don't, don't laugh at me. But I, and this was, this was strange because my dad is like obsessed with getting the oil changed in cars. Like he can't, like it's the joke between my brother and my sister is like whenever we see our dad and we haven't seen him for a while, he'll, the first thing he'll say is, you've been changing the oil in your car? And, and, and like he always talks about it, he talks about it, just make sure you're doing it, make it a pattern in your life, just, just make sure you're changing your oil. And it would always bother me so much, probably because I wasn't changing the oil in my car. And so I remember whenever he would ask me if I was changing my, my oil to get him off my back, I would just be like, yep, I just did it. I, it's, it's changed. And guy, I mean, I was 16, give me a break. Um, but it was, it was like well over a year, like all, probably close to two years of not changing my oil. And I remember the first time I didn't change it, like it was like that number popped up and I looked to see if anything happened. Nothing happened. So I was like, cool, I guess you don't have to do this. Um, and so I would just keep on going without changing it until, you know, the light popped on and said like, hey, something's not going right. And I, you know, put a piece of tape over that. And, uh, and then like, uh, you know, you start hearing noises from the engine and you just turn your sweet stereo up louder. And, and like eventually it just became like a problem. Like smoke would start pouring out of my engine and like it was just loud enough that I couldn't uh, ignore it. And we had to go take it in and get it fixed. And it eventually came out that I hadn't been changing my oil. And, and, and it was at that point I realized that my dad wasn't just giving me some arbitrary rule. Like he wasn't just being, you know, crazy or, or, try, or being a pain, but he was, he was trying to help me out. And the truth is, is he did the same thing when he was 16. So he was, he like knew from experience how important it was. But like the thing was, is the, that conversation that we would have where he would just say, make it a pattern. You know, every three months, every 3,000 miles, whatever it, whatever it is, just make sure it's a pattern when you're doing this. And he was looking out, for, for not only my, my wallet, but the, but the health of my car, the well-being of my car. He knew it would last longer. It would run better if I changed the oil. And, and the thing is, is God has similar things in place for us. 
There's these things in our life, these patterns that we can put into our life that like kind of maintain the life and, and, and well-being of, 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 of ourselves. And so last week we started this new uh, series, this little mini series on pause, on taking a pause where we looked at these, these, these rhythms or patterns or these sustainable things that we can do in our life to, to, to experience the grace of God. And Heather ta- uh, kicked it off last week and this week we're going to be talking about the idea of Sabbath and rest. We're going to be talking about Sabbath and rest. And, and I know when we say the word Sabbath, it can, can you know, bring lots of different things to our, to our mind. Some, some of you may think of Judaism. You may think of like a religious ceremony. You may think of a day of the week. You may think of all kinds of things. But the word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat. If you've ever heard the phrase Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat. And the word Shabbat literally means to rest take a break and, and, and rest. So actually, instead of saying uh, uh, Sabbath and rest, we could just say rest and rest, and that's what we're talking about. And I remember a couple of years ago, I had, you know, I was just starting to, to, to work really hard. It was actually about five years ago. We had just uh, had our, our little daughter, Olive, and that just, it's, that's a lot of work having a baby. I didn't know that. Uh, but, you know, it just is a high demand on your, on your schedule. You're not sleeping well. And I remember uh, I was just, I was like, get, you know, getting more and more busy at work and with family and lots of stuff was going on. And I noticed my calendar was just getting busier and busier. And I was beginning to kind of get kind of overwhelmed, and I didn't even realize it, but I was getting more and more stressed. I was, you know, feeling it in my neck, and I was getting these headaches, and I was getting stressed out, and I just had no margin, just going, running hard. And I remember any time anyone asked me, you know, what, what are you up to? My, you know, the answer was always, been super busy. Like, I got, you know, a lot of stuff going on, just, just you know, going hard. And I remember this little voice inside of me, which and in retrospect, was probably the voice of God, began to say, Jay, this is not sustainable. Like, you can't do this. You're going too hard. You, you, need to, you need to rest. You need to learn to slow down a little bit. And, and my response would always be like, this is just a season. I have a newborn baby. When she gets, you know, to be this age, things will slow down, and I'll, I'll you know, I'll start being able to rest a little bit. And and I, I learned that that season of my life didn't end. That when whatever that little thing was stopped, I, I just filled it up with something else. And I became even more busy. And what I thought was a season just ended up becoming a lifestyle of being busy and going and going. And so it was at that point that I, I realized that I really needed, needed to take rest pretty seriously, that I needed to start incorporating some, some ideas of healthy rhythms of rest in my life. Because the truth is, if you look at our culture, I believe our culture has a really, really unhealthy relationship to work. 
The way that our culture views work is completely out of whack, I believe. We never rest in, 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 our, in our culture. I read the study about how, how Americans are working longer hours, they're taking less time off, and they're working more in their time off. I mean, we, we have the ability now with, with technology that we can work from anywhere. So the expectation is that we work from anywhere at all times. Why don't you respond to that text message? Why don't, you, why don't you respond to that email? Can you just do this thing for me really quickly? I know you're on vacation. But we're constantly working. Do you know the study said that less than half of Americans, less than half of Americans take their full amount of vacation time. We are constantly going, constantly working. And not only has it become accepted in our culture, but it's actually become encouraged. It's a virtue or a value to just be going as hard as you can. And and, and listen, when I talk about work and going hard, I'm partially talking about our occupations and our jobs, but I'm also talking about all the other things in our calendar. Maybe it's your, your kids' extracurricular activities. I mean, the demands of Little League baseball today is extremely high compared to what it was when I was a kid. And, and you have these high demands of work, and then on top of that, you have Premier Soccer or the Travel League, and you have band practice and, and orchestra and play practice. And you have all of these things going on that is leaving our lives with little to no margin. And we're just running hard and the rates of, of breakdown is astronomical. We are just running ourselves into the ground. I mean, if you look at divorce rates and suicide rates and, and mental breakdowns and all of these things, they're, they're at these all-time highs. And I believe it's because we're like my 89 Honda Civic. We're running and running and running and we're, we're investing in certain things, but we're not investing in the things that are going to sustain us. And we're breaking down. And I imagine some of you today are really tired. You're tired. Maybe you're a student and you're just going hard. Maybe your job is super demanding. Maybe, I mean, there's all kinds of things. You're tired. Maybe you're so busy that you don't even realize how tired you are. And what you need is not the newest app, not the new time-saving book. It's not some you know, new software that's going to revolutionize your life. That thing is not going to change what's really going on. What you need is Sabbath rest. It's what we all need. But if you're like me, when you may understand I need to rest, but you have no idea to where, where to even start or how to get that rest. And so today we're going to be looking at the story in the life of Jesus, like kind of early on in his ministry, where, where the, the religious leaders actually challenge him on his rhythms of rest. 
And it's a story where Jesus addresses some of the misconceptions about what it means to rest and what it means to have Sabbath. And we're going to be looking at the, 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 the book of Luke in chapter 6. So if you need a Bible, they're all over the room where you can open up. But it's Luke chapter 6. And, and at the time of this story, the idea of Sabbath was really important. They, this culture really valued Sabbath. It was a, it was a high value. And, 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 and actually, the reason was is because the religious leaders wanted to, 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 to highly institute everything that was law in the Bible, all the commands. And I don't know if you know this, but Sabbath and observing the Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. It's one of the big ten things that God says this is important. Uh, Exodus chapter 20 says, remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. That's, it's the fourth commandment. And so the religious leaders, the Pharisees, they took that command very seriously. And they made it sacred and they, 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 they put high value on it and they wanted to protect it. So what they did is they made all of these rules of what that meant to, sa- to, to actually observe the Sabbath. And so they had all these rules and stipulations of what you were allowed to do and what you were not allowed to do on the Sabbath. So let's just jump right in, starting in verse 1. It says, One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain and, and rub them in their hands and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And just, just for a second, when they're saying you're doing something unlawful, this wasn't against the law to, to pick people's grains and eat it. Actually, farmers and people who would harvest uh, crops, they would, on the outskirts of their farm, they would put enough for passersby to eat off of, off of their crops. So this was acceptable. Everybody would do this, and it was in a way of taking care of each other. So they say, what are you do- why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And then Jesus said to them, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. So here they are, Jesus and his disciples are just walking by this field, they're picking the grains off of the, uh, off of the, the, the crops, and they're eating it, and the Pharisees are saying, you guys are breaking the Sabbath. And what was it that was breaking the Sabbath? Well, they, one of the stipulations, one of the rules of observing the Sabbath was you weren't allowed to harvest crops. You weren't allowed to do a harvest. So they said, essentially, Jesus, you're breaking the Sabbath because you're harvesting. And Jesus' response to him wasn't, that's silly. We're just picking grain. Or it wasn't like, listen, guys, Sabbath, that's Old Testament. That's part of the old covenant. We're in the new covenant now. Sabbath, don't, we, we can do away with the Sabbath. No, what he says to them is I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Which there is so many, there's so much significance to that. But at the very least, what it means is, hey, I take this Sabbath very seriously. It's really, really important to me. And so why is the Sabbath so important? Why was it so important to Jesus? That's the point. Point one is why is Sabbath so important? 
And before we understand how to Sabbath, we need to understand why we Sabbath and what it is. And I think the best place to start um, in understanding what the Sabbath is, is in Genesis chapter 1, all the way at the beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1 is the story of creation. We're not going to read it, but I'll, many of us are familiar with it. And basically what would happen is, is God would speak things into existence in the universe. He would say, let there be light and there would be light. You know, he would call these things into existence. And then at the end of the day, he would look and say, you know, this is good. And the next day he would create more and he would look and say, this is, this is good. And then at the end of the sixth day, when he finished creating the, 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 the universe and the stars and all of the, the beauty of what we experience, he looked down and said, this is, this is very good. Like, this is really, really good. And then he rested. It says on the seventh day, he rested. And have you ever wondered why Almighty God all-powerful God rested on the seventh day. Was it because he was really tired? It's like, oh gosh, that took it out of me. Creating the universe, man, that's hard work for me. Or was he like, man, now, oh man, now the work's really gonna start. Now I got a lot to do taking care of these people. I gotta better rest up. No. Why did God rest? He rested because the job was done. And he could sit and enjoy what he, what, he, what he made. He rested because it was complete. And that's the kind of rest that God wants to give us. That's the kind of Sabbath rest that we can experience. Where we can say, my, my work is completed. It's not like we're resting up so we can, you know, the kind of thing like, hey, I'm, I'm building this fence in my backyard and I worked really hard today and I better get a good night's sleep because we got more work to do tomorrow. That's not what the, the Sabbath rest at the core is all about. It is resting and knowing that the work has already been done. Wouldn't that be nice to have that kind of rest? where we can just sit and enjoy what the, Lord, what, what, you know, the work being done. That's the kind of rest God wants you to have. It's deep rest for our souls. He's not just offering us in Sabbath rest for our bodies, not just for even our minds, but he's, he's offering deep rest for our souls, our innermost being. The, 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 the Jewish author, Judith Shulovitz, says that Sabbath is really, it addresses the eternal murmur inside of us. That's what it addresses. And what does she mean by that? She means that, that restlessness inside of us, that thing that is, that is causing us to constantly be working. That there's this murmur inside of us that is telling us to go and do and perform. I, I read this verse a couple weeks ago, Isaiah 57. It says, the wicked are like the tossing sea, which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud. 
Oftentimes we feel like that. There's this tossing sea, this restlessness inside of us. And that's what we really need rest from. Sure, it would be nice to get a break from our jobs, but we, that's what we really need rest from. The, the, the internal murmur, the internal struggle. See, I think the issue that Sabbath addresses is not work. It's what Tim Keller refers to as the work underneath the work. The, the why we are working so hard. And so when we talk about Sabbath, the way we do it is, is way less important than, than what it's actually addressing, the heart of why we Sabbath. And I think at the heart of that restlessness, the heart of that murmur inside of us is, 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 is two, one of two things. The reason that there's this restlessness, the reason that we're constantly striving and, and can't take a break is one of two things. And one, it could be pride. That there's this thing inside of us that says, I got to get more. I got to accomplish as much as I can. I want to prove to everyone that I'm the best or I'm the strongest or I'm the smartest. I want to prove to myself that I can accomplish this. I want to prove to my parents. I want to prove to my spouse. I want to show God that I have value, that I matter, that I'm important, that there's this, this pride inside of us that constantly is going and going and going and try, trying to prove our value. Or maybe it's not pride for you. Maybe it's fear. Maybe if you're like me, it's both. But there's this fear inside of, inside of us that says, if I don't work really hard, if I don't keep on going, what if it all falls apart? What if, what if, what if I don't really, I, I have to accomplish this stuff or, or I don't have significance. And I want to show my, you know, I want to show my parents that, that I'm not worthless. And there's this insecurity and fear inside of us and the, the murmur just grows and grows and we keep on going and going and striving. If I don't accomplish X, Y, or Z, it means that, that I don't matter. Do you know that we're like the first culture in history that finds its significance in what, it, in what they do? That your value in our culture is directly tied to what you can accomplish. And this is the first time in history. Usually your value is determined by like your character or, or stuff like that. But now it's what can you get and what can you accomplish? And that internal, that internal murmur just grows and grows. It's the work underneath the work. It says you got to strive and you got to keep going. And so this rest, this Sabbath that God is telling us that we need to have, it, it addresses that in our life. Sabbath is supposed to address that murmur. It says you can take a break. You can stop striving. 
Because the problem is, is no, no matter how successful you are, no matter how much you accomplish, it doesn't settle the murmur. It doesn't. It might, it might for a moment. I mean, you talk to the most successful people in business or in, in sports or, or people who have all the money in the world and they'll all tell you, you know, that there's still that striving inside of them to get more and to be more successful. And no amount of success can, can, can ease the restlessness inside of us. And I'll tell you another secret is no amount of vacations or, or taking days off or taking a good nap will solve it either. And we have to understand this before we can understand how to rest is what we're actually resting from. Does that make sense? That internal murmur inside of us. So how do we find that rest then? How do we address that, that restlessness inside of us? How do we get it? The pro- this is the, the, where I think the Pharisees really got off base. See, they understood the need for Sabbath. They understood the need for rest. They, they really valued the Sabbath. And so they, they thought these, these, this, you know, this taking a day off and all of these rules is what is going to bring rest to our lives. That if we do these things, it'll bring us rest. And they were misunderstanding the true meaning of Sabbath. Listen to what Jesus says to him. He says, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. What is, what is Jesus saying? Well, Jesus is, is basically answering their, their, their question of breaking the Sabbath with telling this kind of weird story about David. And we're talking about, you know, David from the Old Testament who killed Goliath, where David with his, with his friends went into the temple and ate the showbread that was reserved for the priest. And this was, this was against the rules. And, and the, the Pharisees would have been really aware of this story and they would have known that God didn't look down on it. There was no punishment. There was no, God did not look down on David doing this. And David was saying, or Jesus was saying that David eating the showbread, the consecrated bread, the reason why it, it, it wasn't, you know, a big deal was because the bread actually was pointing to something. It wasn't the bread that was important. It, it was what the bread represented that, that's important. The showbread, the consecrated bread was actually, the, the, the word for it was the bread of the presence of God. It represented the presence of God. And so Jesus is saying that the bread is not the presence of God. The bread points to the presence of God. And the presence of God is what brings us rest. I saw you guys. You guys were all singing that. 
this, this, this morning, we were saying, you know, in your presence, it brings rest for my soul. It's, it's the presence of God that brings us rest. Exodus 33 says, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. It's the presence of God that gives us rest. And see, Jesus is saying, don't you guys understand? The showbread is not what brings you rest. It's the presence of God that brings you rest. And in the same way, he's saying the Sabbath Observing the Sabbath is not what brings you rest. It's what the Sabbath points to. It's what the Sabbath is pointing to. It's what it represents. And that's why Jesus says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is about me. It's pointing towards me. The bread and and the day of rest, those things can be nice but they are pointing to something that is more than nice, that is wonderful and life-sustaining and life-giving. Jesus says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And he actually later says, I am the bread of life. The Sabbath and the bread, all this stuff is pointing towards me. And think about the rest that Jesus is saying that you can have. He's saying, that Genesis 1 rest, where you say the work is done, that there's no more striving, you don't have to, it's, it's completed, all the work is done. He says, it is finished. Where else have we heard that? That it is finished. We heard it on the cross. Those are the words that Jesus said. He said, it is finished. The, 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 the consequences of our sin, the payment of our sin, it is paid in full. It is done. It is finished. No more striving. We don't have to strive and work and prove anymore because it was finished on the cross. It's finished. That's where we can find rest. See, essentially, we get to take our resume that's full of holes and is not good enough and says, you know, you, you blew it here and you didn't do enough here and you did okay here. We get to take that resume and exchange it with Jesus's resume. That's perfect. And the work is completed. And when, the, when God looks down on us, he sees the perfection of his son. And so we don't have to strive. We can rest. Because like we said, no matter how much success we have, no matter how hard we work, we will never have enough and we will never do enough. There will always be this murmur or unrest inside of us. But Jesus says, I paid a price so that you can find rest. I am the, the Lord of the Sabbath. Only Jesus can calm that unrest. And no amount of vacations or days off or quiet times can address the restlessness in our spirit. Only Jesus can. Only Jesus can address the, the restlessness inside. An interesting thing is Jesus saying, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I love this. When Jesus said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, you know that that was what got the ball rolling to crucify him. That's when the Pharisees, at the end of the story, they actually say, 
we got to do something about this guy. And they start planning and scheming on, on killing him. But it was in killing him that made him the Lord of the Sabbath. It was in his death that we found rest, that we found Sabbath. Him saying, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath led to his death, but it was his death that brought us true Sabbath. Isn't that beautiful? We find our rest in Jesus and we have to understand that before we understand the disciplines or or rituals of Sabbath. We have to understand that Jesus is the one that brings us rest, not, not the actual act of resting. Because if we think that the acts of Sabbath are gonna bring us rest, then we become like the Pharisees, right? Then we think, oh, if I take a day off, then I'll have rest, that will, that will address the murmur in my heart. If I do this, then, then I'll be able to finally rest. If I can just get this or if I can stop doing this, then I'll have rest. But Jesus is the one who brings us rest. Because if it was in taking a break that brought us rest, what hope would there be for the single mom who is working you know, two jobs to make and meet and to feed her little kids, and then she comes home and has to care for them and care for the house? Where is the rest for her? I'll tell you where it is. It's, it's at the cross. It's in Jesus. That's why Jesus said to us in Matthew chapter 11, come to me. All who are weary, all who are burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. Jesus gives you rest. Are you tired today? Are you, are you feeling burnt out? Are you feeling burdened? Are you feeling weary, weary? Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. And for some of us, we, 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 you know, we love Jesus, but we, and we, we're followers of Jesus, but we still feel, feel exhausted. And I really feel at the core of it is we don't understand the freedom that we have in Jesus. We don't understand the rest that we can find in him. I believe as followers of Jesus, we, are, we need to model We need to model rest in our lives. We need to put into practice rest in our life. We aren't constantly supposed to be going and doing and achieving and, and, you know, full of this, this ambition and getting and striving. God didn't make us to live that way. There's this quote that's been attributed to like dozens of people and I don't know who actually said it, but the quote says, "If, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Isn't that true? If he can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. So how do we live differently? How do we you know, avoid living how our culture tells us to live or how that murmur inside of us tells us to live or how maybe your parent tells you to live or, or how you're, you know, whatever. How do we live differently? Jesus regularly tells people throughout his ministry to draw away and rest. And the issue is not hard work, guys. 
The Bible's not calling us to be lazy. The Bible all over says, work hard. You know, run well the race laid out for you. Do work hard, work well, but it also says rest well, that we have this balance. The problem in our life is not work. It's the work underneath the work. So how do we embrace the rest? I, I love this verse in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 15, or 5, uh, I think I have 512, but I think it's actually 515. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. You were slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought you out. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Isn't that interesting? Doesn't it, it almost seems like this non sequitur, like, hey, I brought you out of slavery, so obey the Sabbath. Why is, why is God saying this? He's saying, I freed you from slavery where you constantly have to work, where you don't have a choice. I freed you from slavery, so rest. You don't have to work all the time, so rest. Observe the Sabbath. Rest in your life. And I think that's true for so many of us where we still live like we're slaves. We're, we're slaves to, you know, the opinion of others. We're slaves to, uh, you know, money and whether or not we make enough. We're, we're slaves to, you know, you know, getting people to think we're successful. We're slaves to that murmur inside of us. But the truth is, is we're not slaves, guys. That if you accept what Jesus did on the cross, the chains have been broken and we are no longer slaves. We, we don't have to act like it. We can rest. We can rest. So I want to talk about, as we end up here, uh, some principles that we can put into our life to embrace rest. And just a couple disclaimers before we get into the, to the, the principles is anytime we get into like kind of, you know, something where we say, here's what you, you should do. Here's the things that you need to do. You run the risk of becoming legalistic, right? We, we run the risk of saying, uh, you know, you have to do these things. And, 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 and let, me, let me say that there is no action there's no act that in and of itself is legalistic. Do you know that? There's no action that's legalistic. It's the heart behind the action that's legalistic. So what I mean by that is if, if we look at Sabbath and we think if we do these things, then we will find rest, that's legalistic. But if we embrace what we talked about before, that it is Jesus that brings us rest. And maybe these things can be some good tools to, to encounter Jesus, to position ourselves, to experience Jesus. And that's not legalistic. They're, they're just tools, but we know that Jesus brings the rest. And the other thing I want to say is if you are in a place in your life where these things just feel overwhelming, like, you're like, I hear what you're saying, but there's no way that I can do those things. 
It just wouldn't make sense. And my family, or I, 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 want, I want you to just take a deep breath, not, not feel shame, and just go to Jesus with it. Maybe consider these things, but go to Jesus. Say, Jesus, do you want me to incorporate these principles? So I don't want, to, I don't want you to feel shame or condemnation when I hear these things. So six principles. The first one, learn to say no. I know this is a hard one because <laughs> there, there, if I struggle with being a people pleaser, I want to say yes. I want to say yes to people. I want to help people. I want to do things. Sometimes we need to learn to say no to ourselves. Like we're like, this sounds good. This sounds good. This sounds good. I'm going to do them all. We got to say no to some of those things. Maybe we need to learn to say no to our kids Oh, I know you want to get involved in that soccer league, but listen, we need to have margin in our life. And it is so important that we model to the next generation what, what, what margin and rest looks like. Because they'll just take it even further than we have. But we learn to say no. And I'm not saying we have to say no to everything. And we always have to say no to our kids. And we always, we, I'm not saying that. We run it through the filters. Is this what Jesus wants me to do? Or is this what my culture wants me to do? Or is this what, you know, I want to do? Or is this what my kids want to do? Is this what Jesus wants me to do? And if it's not, then, then, then we can say no. But that's important. We, we learn to say no. Number two, incorporate Sabbath into your work. Here's what I mean by this. This one, this one is a little bit of a thinker but we incorporate Sabbath in the way we do our careers or the way we do school or even the things that, you know, are extracurricular activities. We incorporate the idea that the work has already been done and we don't have to prove anything and that our job doesn't define us and, and this basketball game doesn't define me and that, you know, my schoolwork, I don't, I don't, have, to, I don't have to be the valedictorian. I don't have to get that promotion. We incorporate the idea of Sabbath into the way we view our work or into the way we view, uh, you know, what we're, whatever we're doing. And we say, this thing, this accomplishment doesn't define me. Jesus is the one who gives me identity. He's the one who gives me value. This promotion doesn't give me value Jesus says I have value. We incorporate the idea of Sabbath into our work. Okay, number three, we have daily times of Sabbath. This is a real practical one. Incorporate daily times of Sabbath into your life. And this may be difficult, but even if it's for like 30 seconds of closing your eyes and breathing and taking moments where you can just breathe and rest. And if you have more free time, take, take longer periods. And when, when we talk about daily times of Sabbath too, I'm also talking about sleeping. Sleep well. Take a nap. Do you know Jesus took a lot of naps? If you read through the Gospels, he was like, it often says that like Jesus was sleeping and they went and woke him up. Jesus was sleeping. Jesus napped a lot. 
And if it was good enough for Jesus, man, I, hey, I'm just, doing, I'm just trying to be as holy as I can. But if you can't, I mean, if you're in a light, if you can't take a nap, when you go to bed, sleep well at night. Give yourself enough time to sleep. And this, this one, I'm preaching to myself on this one. Because maybe you can function off of four hours of sleep, but maybe you shouldn't. Maybe God wants you to rest, and we should rest. Sleep well. Okay, number four, weekly times of Sabbath. This is kind of the, the traditional idea of taking a Sabbath day. Taking a day where we're in, we don't work. We, 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 and listen, I'm not even just talking about our job. But where we take a day where we really just decide today is a day of rest. I'm going to rest today. And this, I mean, again, we don't need to be legalistic. I remember talking to someone about this and encouraging them to take a day of rest. And they said, well, am, am I allowed to garden? And I said, I, I don't know. Ask Jesus. Maybe, maybe gardening brings this person rest. Or maybe, maybe they're gardening to prove to their neighbors that they have the best you know, house in the neighborhood. So I don't know. You don't have to get legalistic. Look at the heart. But take a day where you're resting. And, and trust that Jesus will take care of you. He'll take care of you. And again, listen, guys, if this feels overwhelming and feels like I can't do that in this stage of life, don't feel shame. Go to Jesus with it and say, is there a way for me to do this? Maybe talk to your small group leader or talk to a pastor. We take, a, take, take a day where, where you rest. My, my day off is Monday. And, and I have learned over the years, over these past like five years, I've learned to really guard it and make it holy and make it like, this is my day of rest. This is a day where I spend with my family. And that doesn't mean I'll never help a friend move on a Monday or I, or I won't, you know, send an email or I won't, like, that's not what I'm saying. But I really protect that day. Number five, take yearly times of Sabbath. This is where we can, we can take extended times of rest. And this is good. This is good because, you know, sometimes these little short breaks are all we can do, but it's so good to, to take little extended times of breaks where we can go somewhere. Maybe go on a vacation, go to the beach, go, go to the mountains. Or if you can't afford, I know there's been years where we couldn't, you know, really make sense to go on a vacation. So we just stayed at home. And we, we, we said, hey, we're going to do a staycation. And, and we really rest during that time. And, and, and maybe for you, it's not a full week or two weeks. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's just an extended weekend, a long weekend. But, but take longer times of rest. And, and finally, the last one is balance your Sabbath time. And this is one of the biggest problems I think we have is that when we take time off, we don't know what to do with it. I know when I started incorporating the idea of Sabbath in my life, I would, you know, my wife told me, Jay, you should take these like a couple long weekends a year where you go off by yourself. And I was like, okay, cool, thanks. And so, so I did it, but what I would do is I would just binge watch Netflix. And I got super caught up on Stranger Things, but I didn't feel rested. 
because I was really binging my rest and I, I really needed to incorporate it throughout the year and, and I needed to balance it where I, I learned that rest is divided into a few different things. Recreational rest, where we do things that we enjoy, like gardening or, or going on walks or watching Netflix or my wife made me start playing music with some of my friends because she knew that that brings me rest. I enjoy that. But it could be playing, you know, playing sports or working on your car, whatever. Do something that you enjoy doing. It's good for you. And then inactive rest, where we don't do anything. Maybe we turn our phone off. Maybe we, t- maybe we sleep. Maybe we just sit in quiet. We have inactive rest. And then finally, spiritual rest. See, the idea of Sabbath always in scripture was always coupled with, with your spiritual well-being and going to, going to church, worshiping, going to small group, reading the Bible, putting on a worship CD, connecting with Jesus. Because really, listen, remember, God's not just wanting us to take a break for our minds and our bodies. I mean, that's important, but he also wants us to have that spiritual renewal. And, and connecting with him is what brings us real rest. And this is so important that we understand this, guys, because there's a lot of work to do. There is. Jesus has good works for you to do that he's laid out for you to do. And he says, I have, I have stuff that I've uniquely designed you to do, and the only way that we can accomplish this is, is through him. And so, so we, we, we do those good works out of the overflow and not out of the overwork. Because Jesus, he's the one who brings us rest. Why don't we stand? We're, we're going to have some ministry time. And, and really what we mean by that is we're going to just respond to Jesus. So just really simply, if, if you need prayer for anything, first of all, if you are sick, if you have pain in your body, if you're facing something hard in your life or with your kids or in your career, I want to just invite you up to get prayer. And especially if you have any kind of physical pain, we really want to pray for you. But also, if you feel tired, if you feel overwhelmed and just exhausted or you feel really busy, we want to pray for you. So we're going to sing one last song. Naomi's going to lead us. And, and, and we're going to just respond to what Jesus is doing in this room. So come on up if you want prayer. And as you make your way up, we'd love to just have people in the church just come lay their hands on you and pray a blessing over you. So just, just come on up if you need prayer for anything.
just say we do love your presence. We know that it is your presence that brings rest. So Lord, we come to you. We come to you with our busy schedules, with (laughs) our weariness, the burdens that we carry has come to you and we say we receive your rest we receive the rest for our souls Lord we, 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 we pray that you would teach us these rhythms of rest you would open up opportunities where we could say no give us the power to say no say yes to you. So Lord, we pray that we would be a a people of rest, that we would be people who have a calm about them, that we wouldn't be like the, the culture, we wouldn't be like the murmur inside of us, that we would be people who can rest in who you are rest in the the knowledge that the work has been done, that it is finished. We love you, Jesus. We just ask that you be glorified in this church and you be glorified in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.